Welcome back to the Datapreneur podcast. Today we have with us a professor, an author, innovator, and leader, most famously known as the Dean of Big Data. He is currently a part of the data management leadership team at Dell. He teaches the courses Big Data MBA and Thinking Like a Data Scientist. He works on providing value by bringing a business-first approach to help organizations leverage data science to find customer product and operational insights he drives data monetization and is recognized as an industry leader in big data and data science let's welcome bill schmarzo to the podcast and begin with the interview so how did you get into data science Wow. Um, most people got into it almost by accident. I mean, especially in the early days, we didn't call it data science. We called it, um, I used to call it decision support. I think it was called, um, you know, analytics, business intelligence. You know, this, this creature has had many, many names. Many, this monster has had many names as it's roamed the, you know, the landscape trying to find its, its home. Um, I, I think that my real interest in um, data and analytics started at a young age when I was um, in middle school and got hooked in a game called Stratomatic Baseball. It was sort of the precursor to some of the sabermetric stuff that was happening um, in the world of baseball. And it was a game that was based on cards that had all these probabilities about each individual player. And um, if you knew something about probabilities and you took the time to read the cards, you could quickly find players that were actually better bets than other ones. And so um, I, I soon took to the, that knack of really trying to understand the probabilities and, and, and how those probabilities played out as you looked at how to apply them. So I've always been a um, curious person about, about analytics because I've always seen that people who have superior insights into analytics seem to be more successful. They make better decisions. They, they don't buy a stupid car, they buy a smart car. They don't buy uh, you know, a bad house. They don't, buy, they don't, they don't waste their money. They, just people who understand statistics and probabilities and analytics just seem to make better decisions. So it just almost happened by accident that I sort of just wandered into this industry. It got turned into something called data science. Um, I was fortunate having um, done a tour of duty at Yahoo, where I was the vice president of advertiser analytics. We were doing big data there, but, um, you know, and, and data science, but, you know, we didn't call it that. We didn't know what we were doing, but we were using data and analytics to help optimize how we managed our ad network. Yeah, definitely. That sounds interesting. Um, so why do people call you the Dean of Big Data? Oh, there's, there's a story here. It's, a, it's actually a pretty fun story. So the very first Strata conference, which was held here in San Jose, um, the, the people who were, the, the, who were founded it and were driving it, they, they looked at the agenda and it was all you know, engineers and data geeks and such. And, they, and 
for whatever reason, they had been reading some of my blogs and they reached out to me and said, hey, do you mind coming in and doing a session that talks about why the data scientists need to think about it from a business perspective? Can you come in and give a business perspective to a bunch of data scientists and data geeks and data engineers? I said, sure, sounds interesting. So I did a session, it was called the Big Data NBA. I ended up writing a book called the Big Data NBA, um, where I talked about how data and analytics are a source of value creation. And under, in order to, to understand value creation, you need to understand some of the fundamentals of, of, of basics of business. So I did a little thing about, you know, Michael Porter and value chain analysis and how data and analytics impact that. I did a little thing of Michael Porter's five forces. And, you know, I did a lot of, it was kind of like a mini MBA for an hour for a bunch of data scientists about why business is important and why you need to frame what you're doing in light of the business. And so after that presentation, I went down, I was brought onto the cube. Um, John Furrier and Dave Valenti, and Jeff Frick, they brought me on board and they were interviewing me. And they were, this is the early days of the cube and, and what they were doing there. And they said, well, what'd you talk about, Bill? And I said, well, I explained kind of the big data MBA class, the thing I talked about when I was doing. And one of them said, well, you're like the Dean of big data. And it just stuck. It became the Dean of big data, the, you know, the, 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 the angle, the, 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 the cube folks and the Silicon angle folks, and the Wikibon folks, every time they'd interview me, they always interview me as the Dean of big data. Um, I it just, it just kind of stuck. And now I'm known as the Dean of big data. That's a really cool story. Um, and it, it's like a personal brand for you, the Dean of big data. Um, so what do you personally enjoy being in data management and analytics? There's definitely a lot of value to businesses and companies, but as a data scientist or as a data analytics person, what do you enjoy about working in this field? Oh, it's, it's, it's really easy. I, I love working with my customers to help them understand how to get value out of their data and analytics. And there's always that moment of epiphany where they go, oh, I, I, I can do that. Where you, the, the, the challenge that we face in many cases is how do you change somebody's mindset? How do you reframe the conversation? And um, I think that what I enjoy doing is walking into an organization, taking a very provocative position in order to try to reframe the conversation. In fact, one of the, one of the earlier slides when I first got a, started talking at a lot of conferences and got involved in a lot, a lot of customer um, events and activities and engagements, was I had a slide that said, um, this is at the very beginning of the big data craze, right? I said, you do not need a big data strategy. What you need is a business strategy that incorporates big data. Now, again, that's an example of you just change the frame a little bit. And when you talk about, you know, when people are trying to build a big data strategy, they're trying to think about, well, you know, how do I use Hadoop? I got Spark, all these open source tools. And I said, no, 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 that's the wrong conversation. You want a business strategy. A business strategy is about creating value. How does big data help you create new value? And when you, so I, what I really love is working with customers, helping them to sort of change their frame about how they think about data and analytics not as a, as a technology, but as a value creation and a value and enabler. Right. So, wow, in a sense, you're empowering the business owners. Yeah, and I, and I, I think that, you know, I do love to teach. Um, I, I, I teach at several universities. 
Um, I do lots of lectures at universities. Um, I do lots of lectures at corporations too. And I think at my heart, I'm a teacher. I, and I, I, but to be a teacher, you have to be willing to learn, right? And willing to unlearn. And so there will be times where I've taken a position on something and wrote a blog on it, you know, maybe included a chapter in a book about it. And a year or two later, I, you know, I've talked to people and realized, no, that was wrong. That wasn't the right, that wasn't the right frame. And, and so you, you, you switch. And I, I, I think I'm fortunate enough that maybe I'm dumb enough that I, I don't take offense at being wrong. Now I'll defend what I believe in. Somebody's got to have really good rationale, but when somebody has really good rationale, has a better idea, I'm like, wow, that, that is a better idea. That is a better way to think about it. So as a teacher, we have to be willing to learn and unlearn, but as a teacher, you have to be willing, have to know how to package what you know and present it in a way that's more than just pretty slides. At the end of the day, I want to make sure as a teacher that you walk out of my class knowing exactly what you need to do to be successful. I think you teach a course called Thinking Like a Data Scientist. So what is the aim of that? So there's, there's, two, there's two folds to it. So first off, um, it's really targeted towards business executives and helping them to understand the data science approach, which is you're dealing with probabilities. So they're, they're never 100% certain. You're dealing with lots of unknowns and you're trying to discover the requirements for success, which means a lot of trial and error. You're gonna think outside the box. You're gonna color outside the lines, trying different things. A lot of things you try aren't gonna work, but every time that you fail provides a new learning opportunity. And so the book is really written to try to help the business stakeholders to reframe how they think about data and analytics with respect to how they as business executives are seeking to create value. But the other benefit is how do the data scientists, how do I collaborate with the business users to make certain I'm building the right models, that I'm, I'm, I'm taking their input to create the right kinds of features, right? How do I make certain that the models that I'm actually building are gonna be used by them and how am I instrumenting that environment so the model is continuously learning from the decisions that they're making? You know, is the model giving them the right answers? You know, and, and so it's really seeks to, while thinking like a data scientist is really geared towards the business, it really is a, it's a, it's a alignment mechanism that really seeks to drive together the fact that, that the data science team by themselves cannot create value. The business stakeholders by themselves can't optimize value. When you bring those together, the creation and the optimization, now you've got something very powerful. Wow, that, yeah, that sounds amazing because um, as you said, business, business owners, they know the solution, they know how to provide value, but uh, with data, they can optimize it. With data and analytics, they can make it more efficient and provide better solutions. So- Tarish, uh, one thing about that was they understand how they, they inherently know how they create value, but most organizations have done a very poor job of codifying how they create value. And what I mean by that is, and this is what the thinking like a data scientist methodology really seeks to tease out. 
what is it you're trying to accomplish from a business perspective? What are the KPIs and metrics against what you're going to measure success and progress? Who are the stakeholders who need to be involved in that process and how are they measuring success and progress? What are the entities around which I need to build insights? And what are the decisions I'm trying to optimize? They haven't thought through that process in a very rigid format. And so the, the thinking like a data scientist methodology that really manifests itself in this hypothesis development canvas, which by the way, I recently saw in a Gartner research release, they, they actually had, a, they, they reposted my hypothesis development canvas as a best practice. For, you do this before you start a data science engagement. There's a lot of work that has to happen on the business side to make certainly clear you understand how value is being created and how you're going to measure it. And most businesses haven't gone through that level of detail. So there is, and, and by the way, if the business hasn't done that, how is a data science team supposed to know what to do? Right? I, one of my great frustrations as a data scientist, and I, I, a lot of my friends have shared this with me, is when somebody on the business side says, hey, I got a data set here. Tell me what's interesting. Well, what do you mean by what's interesting? Well, tell me what's valuable in here. Well, how do you define valuable? Right? So the business has done historically a very poor job of really articulating and codifying around the, the variables and metrics around which they're going to create value. And if they haven't done that, then the data science process is a guessing process. And when we don't guess very well. Yeah, and um, I think there's a big misconception with people that what about what data scientists do. So like you said, you can't be a business owner, just collect data from people and hand it over to the data science team. You, the data scientists need to understand what value they're trying to provide, what problem they're finding a solution to. And without that, the process just becomes really inefficient. Yeah, well, that's, that's why some of these projects fail, right? They don't fail because the models don't work, right? It is, it's like the models caught on fire and burned up, right? The models work, but they deliver the wrong results, the wrong, the wrong you know, outputs, because they don't understand the desired outcomes. If we don't understand as a data scientist, the desired outcomes that our business stakeholders are trying to drive, then how do I ensure that the outputs that I'm producing can support those outcomes? So you're spot on. I mean, the data science process has to be embedded with the, with the business users. And by the way, we're, starting, we're seeing more and more how um, business organizations now have data scientists embedded in those organizations. And they're, you're building that very tight iterative process with, between the business and the data scientists to really brainstorm those variables and metrics and to stay on top of how the models are working because the world is constantly changing. And, and we know that the models drift over time, right? The world changes. You don't make, if the model isn't geared to constantly capture and adapt itself, those models drift off and you get start getting in, in an inaccurate or, or suboptimal results. Right. And um, I think this was the reason why I started the podcast in the first place. It's called the Datapreneur Podcast. So data and entrepreneurship. So it's basically how a data scientist is more, much more likely to come up with more efficient solutions as an entrepreneur. And I think that's why this field is really booming today. That's a, so I was just had a, had a call with some of my, my students right before this, before their podcast here. And um, they're, they're um, data scientists <coughs> within a large organization. Um, and they were frustrated because they couldn't get the business users, excuse me a second. They were frustrated because 
the business users didn't understand or respect what they can do to help them. And so you have this data science team that had all these great ideas of what they could do to help them, but the business users didn't understand what they could do, didn't buy off on it. And you created this, this, this friction point. The data scientists feel underused. The business users feel like the data science team isn't helping them because they haven't figured out a way to, to bridge that gap. So the next question I have is, why do you think data has become so lucrative today? And what value does data science provide to businesses? Data in of itself has no value. In fact, data in of itself is, is a cost. You got to store it, got to manage it, got to back it up, protect it, govern it. Ownership of data provides no value, which makes it a very, very unappealing accounting asset. From an accounting perspective, data is maybe you can sell it, but you're never going to realize a true potential from it. The only value in data comes from its use. It's not, it's, which is why it's an economics conversation, right? The difference between accounting, which is a value in exchange valuation method, which is the value is determined by what you paid for it or what someone's willing to pay you for it. Economics is a value and use conversation where value is generated through use. And so what, what, this, what organizations are realizing is that possession of data in of itself has no value, but understanding where and how I use it is becomes valuable where and how I use it in order to create value has to tie back to what the organization is trying to accomplish. What are their business initiatives? Be trying to improve customer retention, trying to reduce unplanned operational downtime, trying to um, uh, optimize asset utilization, whatever, whatever it might be, organizations have these initiatives. Data and analytics can certainly help optimize those, but it becomes the the deconstruction process of taking that initiative and breaking it down into the piece part decisions that the different stakeholders are making in support of that initiative. Because it is around decisions that the data science team can apply the, the advanced analytics and the, and the data to optimize decisions. It's across the decisions that support that business initiative where value is created. And so the, the aha moment comes from businesses when they realize that we can decompose this into decisions. Around decisions, we can drive the linkage between the business stakeholders who understand the decision they're trying to make and probably have some good insights as far as you know, what data might be useful to the data science team who knows how to manage and manipulate and engineer data to build the feature necessary to actually build highly predictive models. Yeah, okay, that makes sense because uh, ultimately it's the business stakeholders that really have to go ahead with the value that data scientists provide. Yes. Yeah. Data scientists by themselves, we, we don't provide value. We don't define what value is. That's being done by the business. Once it's defined, then we know how to help optimize it. So do you think the an analytics process or the efficiency of predictive analysis that we use today, is it the most, uh, is it the best that it could be or are there some problems that are still oh, faced? Oh, we got a long ways to go. We're, 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 we're a long ways off. And 
I, I think Andrew Nangs, you know, who's sort of the godfather of, of AI, said it very well. He said, we need to spend less time trying to fine tune the models and more time trying to improve the data. You know, we know the data's, the data's a mess, data's hard. We got data coming in from a lot of different sources. We have it dispersed across the organization. We don't have a great way to align it from a, from a granularity perspective, from a latency perspective. You know, data has always been hard. Data is hard. And you can't, AI models cannot overcome the incompleteness and inaccuracy of data. So there's, there's a lot more we need to do, which is why I think there's, I think Andrew Nang's point is right, is that we, we need to spend more time on you know, data management and data engineering, and maybe less time on you know, AI models and fine tuning algorithms, because there's so much more that we can get by improving the data. So I think what's happening is that as we spend more time focused on improving the data, making it more readily available, making it more trustworthy, making it more transparent, um, I think we're going to see a dramatic increase in the efficiency and effectiveness of our AI and ML models because we're going to have better data, right? We're going to just there's there's so much more we could do, and and everybody's sort of kind of we know we have this this elephant called you know data sitting in the room. We all kind of dance around it, saying, "Oh, that that data is hard to deal with. That data is well, y'all, gosh darn it, folks, <laughs> we need to solve that problem." Right? We need to dig in and start thinking about how do we solve this data problem? And, and here's, here's, I think, a key point here. Solving the data problem in isolation of the business will never be successful. Let me say that again. Trying to solve the data problem, the data management problem, in isolation of the business will never be successful because it is only around the business and support of the business and the application to the business that data has its, its value is determined. You know, what data sources are most valuable? I had this, this great conversation with a CIO. We were talking about data management and all the challenges there. And he said, he was very frustrated. He'd only been able to tag 10% um, of his data sources, you know, tag and catalog, only 10% because data is everywhere. And I said, I paused, I said, well, if that 10% represents 90% of the value, you're probably good. And then I said, do you know what your data source are most valuable? And he looked at me like I had lobsters crawling out of my ears. And, you know, I don't have no idea what data is most valuable. That's the problem. That's the problem. You don't know what data is most valuable because you're looking at it from a data perspective. You need to look at it from a business and a value creation perspective. If we focus from a value creation and a value realization perspective, now we have the frame to understand how do we attack this? I'm, I don't need to clean all of my data. Heck, you may find that you don't need to store all your data. There may be data sets that you're storing, managing, governing, backing up that has no value. In fact, it might be a liability from, a, you know, from somebody breaking. So organizations have all these gold, all these nuggets laying around. Some of them are gold and some of them are just pieces of cow dung. They don't know the difference. And so they're getting caught up in this gold nuggets versus cow dung. It's, we have the wrong frame for how we're thinking about data management. We can't optimize data management in isolation of the business.
That concludes the first segment of the interview with Bill. Stay tuned for some exciting questions and I will see you soon.